What is Satan up to in the world? What is he seeking? What is it that Satan desires to do? I think as I go through life, sometimes I run into people and they get a cold or they have a flat tire. Maybe they miss a promotion at their job and they will say, oh boy, Satan is after me today. Satan is after me. Or I'll see people and something bad will happen, something they do not like or enjoy in their life, and they'll say, not today, Satan, not today. Well, the question is, what is Satan up to in the world? Does he exist to ruin your day? Does he exist to give you a hard time to to mess up your plans? Does he exist uh, to cause misery to you? Is that what he's up to? Well, I want to tell you this morning, I want to tell you today, he is up to a lot more than that. And I want to come this morning and I want to warn you that today Satan seeks to crush you. I want you to listen to these words. Satan seeks to ruin you, to absolutely lay waste to you. Satan seeks your destruction. And the way that he does that is to separate you from God. Get that, listen to that this morning. Satan's mission is is to separate people from the God who loves them. And when he does that, and if he does that, they are found in ruin. They are then destroyed. Well, the good news today is this. There is victory over Satan. He is a defeated enemy, and there is a way for you to have victory over him. Today, we're going to continue our study in the book of Revelation, Uh, Today, our message is entitled, Defeat of the Deceiver. Defeat of the Deceiver. Today, we're in Revelation chapter 12. We're going to look at the entirety of the chapter, uh, the, the whole chapter. So Revelation chapter 12, Defeat of the Deceiver. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Revelation chapter 12, verse 1, God's Word says this, A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and on her head a a crown of 12 stars. And she was with child and she cried out, being in labor, in pain to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and on his heads were seven diadems. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. As she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God, so that that there she would be nourished for 1,200 years and sixty days. And there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war, and they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, and who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth. And his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God 
and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. For this reason rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman so that she could fly into the wilderness to her place where she was nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. And the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. But the earth helped the woman and the earth opened its mouth and drank up the river which the dragon poured out of his mouth. So the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today. We are thankful for a Savior today. We're thankful for hope today. We're thankful for peace fixed in the finished work of our Lord Jesus today. Lord, we come and we're rejoicing over these testimonies of baptism. Uh, we, we pray, Lord, that you would bless these. And their, and their boldness. I, I pray, Lord, that we would be as a church uh, wise and we would surround them and we would walk with them and together uh, we would do better at holding up the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we come now and I, I pray as we begin to study your word, I, I pray that we are able to set down the things of this world, the cares of this world, that we're able to put our, our eyes and our ears and our minds and ultimately, Lord, our hearts uh, ready to hear and ready to receive your word. And I pray, Lord, that it would truly be an, an awesome event, a supernatural event. And I, I pray that you would speak to us today. Lord, I, I pray as the church that we would be built up today, that we would be encouraged today. I, I pray, Lord, for some that are listening to this message in this room, maybe some other place, I pray that they, those that do not know you will hear of your graciousness, of your kindness, of your love and today might be the day of their salvation. Lord, I pray any hindrance to that would be removed. Lord, we come and we tell you we do love you. We praise you. We worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I told you last week, I think actually the last two weeks, uh, that I read a, a commentator who said, uh, many believe the 11th chapter of Revelation is the hardest to interpret. And I read that as I was preparing the messages on chapter 11. Well, I believe that is only because they hadn't come to the 12th chapter, uh, perhaps when they said that. Uh, today, we're going to move into the 12th chapter of Revelation. You just heard it. Uh, there, there's a lot of things there. It is an awesome chapter. Uh, but this 12th chapter is a strange chapter because as it is leading us to look ahead, it does so by causing us to look back. And that's kind of a strange thing that happens in this chapter. In the 12th chapter, we have glimpses into the future. That's the purpose. But we have them explained or we have them 
tied to lessons from and events from history. And so that's a, that's a pretty interesting thing. We're going to see that. I, I, I think the best way to move into it is just to jump into it. So here we go this morning, starting in verse 1. Chapter 12, verse 1. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. That's how it starts. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. As the seventh trumpet sounds, and as John sees this great vision in heaven, that's chapters 10 and 11, it continues now in chapter 12. It says, a great. Now, that word for great in the original language, it means imposing. So an imposing sign, a great sign appeared in heaven. Now here's the sign. It says, a woman clothed with the sun, wearing the sun, with the moon under her feet, has on her head a crown of 12 stars. Now that's really an interesting picture. It's hard to imagine really, but here is a woman and, and she has wearing the sun and she has at her feet the, the moon and on her head is a crown of 12 stars. Okay, we're going to settle this before we move on. There are some that say this is referring to Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now when you give it a very quick glance, it may seem to fit that description but they believe this is referring to Mary, the mother of Jesus. There are others that say this is the Christian church. In this description, it is describing the church of Jesus Christ. It's referring to the church. Well, I'll tell you, the answer is actually found, and there is an answer. The answer is actually found in a dream that Joseph has recorded in Genesis chapter 37, verses 9 through 11. Uh, Joseph has a dream. Uh, he interprets the dream. In that dream, there is the sun, and the sun represents Jacob. And there is the moon, and the moon represents Rachel, his wife. And there, in that dream, there are 12 stars that represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And so I want you to be very clear this morning. This woman represents the Jewish people. This woman represents the nation of Israel. Verse goes on and it says, and she was with child and she cried out being in labor and in pain to give birth. That's the second verse. Let me read that again. And she was with child and she cried out being in labor and in pain to give birth. Now for a moment here, I'm going to keep moving along. I'm going to explain the other participants in our verses and then we're going to come back and look at the second verse, all right? So moving to the third verse. Then another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, means look, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads were seven diadems. Uh, starts off a great. It is also the word that means imposing. So it says a, an imposing dragon, a great Dragon. Now, just get the picture of a dragon. A dragon is fierce. A dragon is aggressive. A dragon is dangerous. And so there is an imposing dragon. It says here on the description, has seven heads and ten horns. 
and seven diadems, seven crowns on his heads. His color, the dragon's color is red. That is the color of fire. It's also the color of blood. It represents death and murder. Now the seven heads, the ten horns and the seven diadems, uh, we're going to get to that coming up. That, re that uh, represents empires throughout history. It also represents the ten kingdoms that were active in the tribulation. Those are going to be better explained uh, in coming chapters. But for us today, what we need to see in our verses today is this. This dragon is Satan. You want to know the identity of the dragon? The dragon is the devil is Satan. That is clearly stated in verse 9. We'll see that in a moment. All right, moving to verse 4. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. Let me read that fourth verse again. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. It says his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven. Now, understand this is talking about the angels who rebelled with Satan. This is referring to fallen angels, angels or demons. Uh, this is found in the book of Isaiah, other places as well. This is the event of the fall of Satan. It's also referenced in the Gospel of Luke. And so when Satan falls, he takes with him a third of the angels, the demons uh, that follow him in his rebellion. I'm going to go one more verse, verse 5. And she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. All right, verse 5 is talking about the Christ. That is the reference, is referring to the Christ. It's talking about Jesus, a male child, the Christ, born as a man. It says, who will rule the nations with a rod of iron? That means an unstoppable rule. And so there is a male child, the Christ child. We know it is Jesus who will rule the nations, and his rule will never be stopped. It says, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. Now let me explain that picture to you. Uh, Jesus is the Christ. Uh, he comes to earth. He lives a sinless life. Uh, he is killed on the cross of Calvary. He is buried in a grave. He comes out of the grave. He is resurrected from the dead. The Bible tells us after that, he ascends to heaven. That is what this is referring to. After his time on earth, after his work here on earth is finished, he ascends to the glory of heaven. All right, let me explain this to you now. The woman is Israel. Out of Israel, Israel produced the Savior from God, the Messiah, Jesus. He came out of the nation of Israel. In verse 2, it says, Satan tried to hinder Israel. He tried to stop the birth of the Savior. He tried to put a halt to the work of God in salvation. So already there in the second verse, Satan does not want the plan 
to unfold. And so Satan seeks to foil the plan, to destroy the plan. I thought about that for a second. Think of all the ways that could have happened. And I think about he comes and he, he wants to mess up this plan. He wants to prevent the Christ from coming. He wants to mess up the work of God in salvation. Think of all the ways that could have happened. What if Abraham hadn't have been faithful? What, what if the brothers had killed Joseph instead of just trading him? What if, what if Moses had failed in his mission? What if the Egyptians had prevailed? You could go on and on with those scenarios, but the truth is Israel was troubled. Israel was always troubled. If you think about it, even when Jesus came, they were ruled by the Romans. They had had trouble. And the Bible tells us that trouble came from Satan. Here's what you ought to see this morning. Satan is the enemy of Jesus. He hates the child of Israel. And what he is doing in the world right now is what he has always been doing, and that is he is opposing Jesus. Folks, we need to get that this morning. Satan is not some sort of cartoon character that sits on your shoulder. He's not standing around somewhere with a little pitchfork trying to let the air out of your tires. No, he is the arch enemy of Jesus and he has found opposing Jesus himself. However, see this, it's gonna become clear. He couldn't stop it. And that's what we see already here. He opposed it. He didn't want the birth of Christ. He opposed it, but he could not stop it. Praise the Lord for that. Okay, moving to verse 6. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God so that there she would be nourished for 1,260 days. All right, let me be very clear here. Verse 6 is in place. It's right where God wants it to be. It is in place. However, today, as we try to snap this together in a chronological order, uh, that may seem out of place to us. And so verse 6 is in place. If we're trying to build a, a chronological order, it may seem out of place to us. All right, stay with me right here. We have had the history of the battle. And so that's been explained to us. That's important information. We've had the history of the battle. Now it jumps ahead, and that's what verse 6 does. And verse 6 is talking about the woman still, Israel, but it's talking about during the days of the tribulation, the time of the seven years of tribulation. We're going to see this coming up. For half of that, the Antichrist will make a covenant of apparent peace. Halfway through, that covenant will be broken, and after that time, God will protect Israel. He will supernaturally protect them during that time. 1,260 days, that is three and a half years. Uh, that's going to be clear to us in later chapters. All right, verse 7. Let me read verse 6 again. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God so that there she would be nursed for 1,260 days. All right, moving to the seventh verse. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war. Verse 8. And they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. Verse 9. 
And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. And he was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. All right, first off, let's, let's settle this. The Bible reports here in verse 9 that the, the dragon is Satan. It's very clear here the dragon is the devil. It tells us here he is the serpent of old. Now, that's going to be important in a second. But that title goes all the way back uh, to the account in the garden, to the account recorded in the book of Genesis. He is the devil, Satan. He is the serpent of old. It says, who deceives the whole world. Satan is called the deceiver of the whole world. He is a liar. He is one who defrauds. Now, I thought about that, and I still think about that. If you cannot stop the coming of Jesus, and if you cannot stop the work of Jesus, the cross and the resurrection, and if you, if you can't stop God's offer of salvation through Jesus, then all you can do is lie and deceive and defraud and get people to miss Jesus. Do you see that? Satan figures that out. If you can't stop the coming of Christ, and if you can't stop the work of Christ, and if you can't stop the offer of salvation through Christ, all that you have left is to lie and to deceive and try to get people to miss Jesus. So you watch what he does. He comes along and he says, did God really say? That's what he says in the garden. Did he truly say that? He still says it today. Does God still say he comes along and he says, can you believe this? Surely you wouldn't stake your life on it. Surely you wouldn't count it as true. Can you really believe this? He comes along and, and in our day for sure he says, is sin really a sin? He comes along and says, does sin really have a consequence? Maybe it, it doesn't have that consequence. Maybe that's some kind of superstition. And he deceives people to get people to sin. See that? That's what Satan does. He deceives people to get people to sin. You know what? You don't deserve that. You know what? Nothing's going to happen if you do that. You know what? God's okay with that. You know what? God's word's not trustworthy. And he deceives people that he get people to sin. And in that sin, they're separated from God. That's the mission of Satan. It starts in the garden with the serpent of old. Did he truly say? And he leads them to sin. All right, that's the first thing we see out of those verses. Second thing is this. Now, watch this very carefully. These verses, verses 7 and 8 and 9, the coming verses as well, they describe what many believe. Now, I'll just tell you, most scholars, most people that study this, this is what they believe. They believe that this is describing a final coming battle with Satan. They believe that this event is coming, and I, I read all their arguments. They have good reason to believe that. It seems to make sense when you look at their arguments. And I'll just go ahead and tell you this. They may be right. They may be right. However, <laughs> I believe this battle has already taken place. That's what I believe. And I believe the natural reading of these verses, and I believe when you look at it in context, I believe this battle has already taken place, and I believe it is explaining here how Satan gets 
into the world, how Satan got into the world. I believe it is explaining here what he does in the world, what he's been doing in the world. And I believe when you read these verses, it is describing a battle that has already taken place. And I believe it is describing the fall of Satan and his demons. All right. Verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night. Listen to me about verse 10. Here's what verse 10 says. The victory is earned by Jesus. The victory is secure in Jesus. Listen, we're not going to have to go back and revisit it. It's been earned in Jesus. It's also secure in Jesus. But here's the thing. Verse 10 tells us, but the victory is still being played out. And what that means is coming is still the banishment of Satan. Coming is the removal of Satan and his demons. Coming is the Final judgment of sin. It hasn't happened yet. Coming is a new heaven and a new earth. And the former things are going to be passed away. Coming is the fullness of the kingdom of God. The victory is still being played out. Notice here the title. Accuser of the brethren. Kind of a strange title, isn't it? His fights with Jesus, his fights with the Christ... And yet he is the accuser of the brethren. I I want you to watch this. Satan can lie about Jesus, and he does. And Satan can try and deceive about Jesus, and he does. He can try and discredit and mar and muddy the reality of Jesus. That's what he does. That's what his mission is. He goes around and he tries to discredit the reality of Jesus. He lies about Jesus. But friends, he can't change the truth about Jesus. And I I read that and I say, you know what? He, He tries to muddy it up. He tries to change it around. He tries to lie and he tries to deceive. But the matter of the fact is, he can't change the truth of Jesus. He is the Christ. He is the Savior of sinners. He is the promise of God. He is the King of all the kings. He is the defeater of death. He is the Lamb, the payment for sin. And Satan, as much as he hates it, he can't change it. Listen to me, the truth, the truth, and the truth will stand. Doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what's popular. It doesn't matter what Satan tries. The truth is the truth, and the truth will stand. Jesus is our Savior. And so what does Satan do? He turns to the brethren. It's a word that means believer, the group. He turns to the brethren. He, he, he can try to discredit Jesus. He can't do it. So he turns to the brethren, and he attacks us. And he accuses us. He comes along and he lies about us. His mission is that we'd be separated from God. And so he comes along and he says, you know what? You're not worth God's grace. 
Surely you see the sorriness of your sin. You're not worth God's grace. He comes along and says, you're too far gone in your sin. Too far gone. You can't come back from that. He comes along and says, you're stuck in your sin. Look how easy you run to it. Look how easy you go to it. You're not going to be able to change that. You're stuck in your sin. And he seeks to heap the shame and the guilt and the regret of sin on us, even before God, it says, even to God. And then there's verse 11. Verse 11 is an awesome verse. Verse 11 is a deep verse. It is a great verse. Let's look at verse 11. Let me read verse 10 again. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down who accuses them before our God day and night. Verse 11. And they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. It says, and they overcame him. All right, who's they? They, it's talking about those accused by Satan in verse 10. Those are the ones who overcame. And they Overcame. It could be talking about a future tense, those that are going to overcome. It also is very well talking about a past tense, those who have already overcome in Jesus. It says those that have been accused, they overcame him, watch this, because of the blood of the lamb. Listen to me very carefully here. Jesus died for sin. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus paid for sin. That is referring to the substitutionary death of Jesus. He died as the payment, the penalty of my sin. He is the lamb that goes and pays the penalty for sin. And so I want you to listen to me for my sin and for your sin and for any sin of any sinner. Listen, of all sinners, Christ died for us. His blood was shed for us. And where we had sinned, he pays for it in his very own blood. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus dies and he pays for sin. There's nothing left to pay. It goes on and says, and they overcame in the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony, I want you to see this. We overcome because Jesus paid for our sin. Listen very carefully. But it is applied to us. It is accredited to our account. It is ratified, signed, and sealed when we each individually say, yes, he is the Lamb of God. When we as individuals say, yes, he has paid for my sin. And my testimony is, he's not only the Savior, he is my Savior. He is my Lord. And even though it's hated by the world, even though I might be faced with death, I will tell you, the lamb who was slain was slain for me. And with the words of my mouth, I'm gonna profess the truth of my heart, and that is, Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is is my Savior. 
They overcame by the blood of the lamb that was slain and by their testimony, he is my savior. And it's ratified in their belief. He is my savior. He is my lamb. Verse 11 again, and they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. Verse 12, for this reason rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. When Satan was cast down, he knew he had a limited time. And so he gets about the business of seeking to wreak havoc on the earth to steal and to kill and to destroy. He's about that business. Then, in this time, during the tribulation, he knows that his time is even shorter. And so his wrath brews up and he has even a, a greater fury, if you can imagine that. He knows that his time is growing even shorter and so his fury boils up. Verse 13. And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. Listen to that again. And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. Why does Israel have so much trouble? You ever watch the news the last hundred years? Why does Israel have so much trouble? I looked it up yesterday. Do you know they make up 0.2% of the world's population? They say there's 8 billion people on the earth, 16 million Jews. 0.2% of the world's population are Jewish people. Why do people hate Israel so much? Why is there always so much trouble? Why is it always in the headlines? It's always in the headlines. Let me tell you this. It's because Satan hates them. And the verse tells us there, he, he couldn't touch Jesus. Jesus has ascended to the, to the throne in glory. He can't touch Jesus. And so it says he turns back to Israel. He hates Israel. Do you know that's how the Bible said it would be? That's what the Bible says. And, and I'll just tell you, when we watch the news today, and I, and I see the, the Palestinians are against Israel and Iran's against Israel, and those up to the north, they're against Israel. And I see all these other countries, they're against Israel. And I see that they are seething against Israel. And I watch the news and, and these rich kids at Harvard, they're against Israel. And a bunch of kids at Stanford, they're against Israel. And I see some other folks, uh, an MMA fighter came out. He's against Israel. When I see everybody's against Israel, you know what? I need to remember, God's word is true. God's word is true. Verse 14. Let me read 13 again. When the dragon saw he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman Israel who gave birth to the male child. But the two great wings of the great eagle were given to the woman so that he could fly into the wilderness to her place where she was nourished for time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. Verse 14 is going back to the second half of the tribulation period, three and a half years. Uh, Satan will seek with all that he has in that time to harm Israel, to destroy Israel. But the Bible says here, for three and a half years, God will protect. Now, uh, I, I was reading a lot about this. There are folks that try to guess 
try to figure out all the ways that he's going to protect them. They're going to go to this land or they're going to go some other place. Uh, we're not sure how he's going to protect them, but we know they're going to be protected in this time in God's power. Verse 15. And the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. Verse 15, there's some folks that believe uh, this will be a great army that pours out after Israel, that begins in the chase of Israel. There's others that believe it's going to be an actual flood uh, that tries to overtake them. We're not sure. Verse 16. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and drank up the river, which the dragon poured out of its mouth. Somehow, verse 16 tells us the earth, maybe it's the terrain of the earth, maybe it's an earthquake, uh, but it's going to offer protection to Israel during this time. Uh, a flood's going to come after them, an army's going to pursue them, but somehow the earth is going to offer protection to them. We also know it'll be in the power of God. Verse 17. So the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. In this tribulation time, this will be the Jews that testify to the Christ. This is the 144,000 who are sealed. Satan is enraged and he turns to them. Understand in all times, Satan wars against those who hold to the testimony of Jesus. That's what's going to happen in this time. That is what has happened in all times. He cannot stand the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He cannot stand the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he makes war against those that would profess the truth of Jesus Christ. He can't change the truth of Jesus. So he attacks those that would hold it and those who would carry it. Pretty crazy chapter, a lot to think about. The bottom line is this, friends, Satan is a deceiver. And Satan seeks your demise and your destruction. Listen to me, he seeks your destruction. He wants to lead you to sin. Satan wants to lead you to sin. And in doing so, he wants you to be separated from the Savior God who loves you. Do you see that's his trick? That, that's his ploy. That's what he's up to. He, he's crafty. and He has a, a million ways to pull it off, but he wants you to be easy with sin. He wants you to be comfortable with sin. He wants you to be accepting of sin. He wants you to be excusing of sin. He wants you to, to not be bothered by sin. He wants you to enter into sin, and in sin, he wants you separated from the God who loves you. The truth is this. He's a defeated enemy. The truth is this, listen very carefully. Our answer is Jesus. Our answer is Jesus. He's paid for my sin. He's paid for your sin. And by our trust in and our testimony of him in faith, we have victory in Jesus. Listen, the point of this message is the point to every message where the gospel's preached, and that is this, turn to Jesus. We have a problem in sin. We have an enemy in Satan that wants to lead us to sin. We're broken in our fellowship with the Holy God because of sin. Listen, our answer is this. Turn to Jesus. 
He'll forgive you of your sin. He'll restore you. He'll renew you. He'll redeem you. He'll give you his very own righteousness to wear. Listen, friend, if you've never turned to Jesus, turn to him today. He'll forgive you today. If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you've been pulled back into sin and you've been entertaining sin in your life, listen, the answer doesn't change. Turn back to Jesus. Confess it to Jesus. He'll forgive you, restore you, and renew you. We have an enemy. He's the enemy of Jesus. But we have a victor. We have a savior, and his name is Jesus. Listen to me. Turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. He'll save you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Green Father, we come and we praise you today. I'm thankful no matter the, the extent, the mess of my sin, that I have a Savior. And I'm thankful for any person here, no matter the, the extent of their sin, no matter the, the stench of their sin, no matter the ones that everybody knows and talks about, even the ones that nobody knows. We have a Savior. We have a remedy for that sin in Jesus. Lord, I thank you for that. I'm thankful that you came and while we were yet sinners, you died for us, showing us your great love. Lord, I'm thankful that you're risen from the dead, that you stand as the reigning risen king, and that by faith in you, if we'll profess with our mouth what we believe in our heart, not of any work that we would ever muster up, but in the faith in you, we'll be saved. I praise you for that. Lord, I pray for some here today that are considering this. I pray for some here today that are sick of their sin. I pray for some here today that are, that are tired of drama and chaos and the lack of peace and the angst of their life without Christ. I pray, Lord, that in the hearing of good news that today they would turn to you. Lord, I pray for us as a church that we would be a beacon of good news. I pray for us as individual followers of Christ as we go out of this place and we go back to a work week that we'll go as followers of Christ. We'll proclaim the good news that we have in Christ. Lord, I pray that you move, that you work in this time of invitation. We tell you we love you, we praise you, and we worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close our service as we do all of our services with a time of invitation. And I, I've, I've said this for 14 and a half years. I, I truly believe it's an awesome thing to preach the word of God. I believe it's a great thing. I, I believe the prior to the church is to preach the word of God. But I want to tell you the greatest part of our service is a chance to respond to the preached word. I want to tell you we have a Savior in Jesus and he offers you his grace right now. If you'll turn to him this morning, he'll forgive you. He'll save you today. If you've never done that, you come. Let's settle that today. If you need more information, you say, well, I don't understand that. You come. Let's settle that today. Maybe you've heard that a million times and it rings in your ears, but you've never done it. You come. Let's take care of it. Maybe you're hearing it for the first time. You come as well. We'll settle it today. Maybe you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it. You believe God has led you here. And if he's led you here and you've prayed about it, you come. And together we'll uphold his word, his truth, till he comes again. Maybe you're here and you've trusted Christ, but you've never followed in believer's baptism. After the point that we're saved, not as part of it, uh, by immersion, showing what we believe of Christ, testifying to him, just as these did this morning. Maybe you come saying, well, I'm a believer, but I've, I've never followed in believer's baptism. You come as well. It'll be a great day of celebration, of testimony pointing to our Savior, Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're going through tough stuff. Maybe I don't even know what it is. Maybe nobody does. Now you want to come pray with me here at the front, come pray at an altar. Nothing is too big, nothing is too great. God tells us that. I'm going to ask that no one would stir about, no one would head for an exit, but you'd pray for those who are making decisions. If God has spoken to you, if you have a decision to make, as we stand to sing, you step out. You come on, I'll meet you here. You come on, I'll meet you here.